Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and I so love doing the show. Week after week, I get to meet and introduce you to some of the most wonderful people on the planet, people at the leading edge of health and wellness, happiness, and as you know, there's a lot of great theory, a lot of great inspiration on the show, but what's more important is there are practices, things you can do. And you know, I remind you every week that being inspired is great, but being inspired to take action is greater. So I encourage you to keep notes, take notes to keep track of what we're sharing today, and then apply these things to your life. Every week I read the abstracts of or read the full texts of probably a hundred scientific studies, various clinical trials, and the picture that emerges from these is so remarkable that all kinds of diseases from Alzheimer's to cancer to diabetes are incredibly strongly influenced by the mind, by your outlook, by your explanatory scheme for the world. If you are an optimist, if you are cheerful, if you are loving yourself, if you are kind and compassionate, you are actually triggering various neurochemical events in your brain and in your body. And you don't just feel better subjectively, your body actually functions much, much better too. So I invite you to have an action plan to actually apply these things in your life. We'll share some great ideas today, some great tips, and then it's up to you, over to you. And we do these shows every week because we are passionate about sharing these things with you. If you've read my book, Mind to Matter, and thank you so much to the more than 100,000 people now who've read Mind to Matter and the more than 1,000 people who've gone and given it a five-star review. I'm so grateful for that. And I just checked my new book, This Brain, recently, and there are about, I think there are about four or five hundred five-star reviews for that now as well. So I'm so grateful to you for doing that, for sharing, and then catalyzing the, the spread of the word that these techniques really have an effect on our lives, the ideas trigger us, and then they often will catalyze change as we apply these, these kinds of techniques that we talk about on the show in practice in your life. If you'd like a free copy of either book, just go to the website for Mind to Matter. It's mindtomatter.com. For Bliss Brain, it's blissbrain.com. And at either mindtomatter.com or blissbrain.com, you don't just get the book for free, you also get free meditations. Seven of them at mindtomatter.com, eight of them at blissbrain.com. I'm laughing because we've now begun to get data in from people who are doing the meditations. And so we've had some people who have filled out research questionnaires before and after using these for about a month. And they're reporting remarkable changes, not just in their inner peace, but in their families, in their general health, in their work teams, in various other unrelated parts of their lives. And so the idea behind all these healthy techniques for training you in meditation, time in nature, grounding, EFT, mindfulness, 
hypnosis, all of these things aren't just having an effect for themselves. They're having an effect in your life as the effects spread out and affect every single domain of your life. One of my wonderful neuroscience friends, Judith Pennington, a well-known researcher in brain states, said, I was happy before I began doing those meditations. And I thought I was as happy as I could be. I look back now and realize I become transcendently happy since using those. And I'm at a place of happiness. I didn't know there was a there there before the science-based techniques. So they really can make a huge difference and bring you to places you don't even know are there. There is a there there. Our research shows you can be dramatically happier than you are. And either book will point the way. So please do go ahead and grab those free meditations, download those free meditations, use them every day and experiment with all the things we'll share both on the show today and in the books. There are so many techniques and you find the ones that work for your lifestyle. Apply them in your life and you will feel so happy that you did as those effects start to spread all the way around you. I'm so delighted to share the work of today's guest with you. She's been with us a few times before. Her name is Emily Francis and her newest book is called Healing Ourselves Whole. You can see the book at healingourselveswhole.com. She's a speaker, an author, a super high-energy human being, and she's studied many, many types of healing over the years, including craniosacral therapy, Reiki, and neuromuscular massage therapy. She's the creator of the Muscle Emotion Chart and also the host of the radio show All About Healing on Healthy Life Radio. She earned a Master's of Science in Physical Education with a concentration in Human Performance, and is originally from Atlanta, Georgia, but currently lives in Malta. Again, her latest book is called Healing Ourselves Whole, and you can follow her life, her current adventures, at mymaltalife.com. Emily, it is such a joy and delight to have you here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I love always getting to meet with you, and I'm grateful for this opportunity. Oh, it's a joy. I love seeing your progression, too, because you've deepened and expanded your repertoire and your understanding of healing progressively over the years. And so you're taking a lot of people along on, on this wonderful journey. And let's just start, for those who don't know you, at the beginning and what catalyzed your interest, both in wellness and performance. Okay. My original degree in college was uh, in 1998. I graduated with a degree in exercise science and wellness. And I became an aerobic teacher and then an aerobic director. And I started teaching kickboxing and practicing martial arts, Tai Chi, yoga, and got really into the healing aspect more from the physical part and also from the energy part, Tai Chi and yoga. But Around age 25, I started dealing with really hefty anxiety and panic. So here I was trying to get all these people healthy and cheer people up. And I was a cheerleader and this college cheerleader and this yoga teacher. And all of a sudden, yeah. I'm like really in this huge chaotic mind space where I'm, I'm really losing myself completely. And I really did start a whole different life. But I fell down the rabbit hole for a really long time. Like I say it in my book, it was not a blip in the story of my life. It was seven years of loss of just, I don't know how to get through this. I've gone to so many therapies and so many alternative therapies and acupuncture and, and my, I'm still practicing Tai Chi and yoga. And I remember walking into my martial art teacher and Tai Chi teacher was Russian. And I walked in and it, I was broke as a joke. And I had to like raise money and do this massage or I hadn't got a massage bill yet, actually. So I don't even know where I got the money. But I walked in and I handed him the cash and I walked right out the back door because I was so anxious. I just could be there. And he called me after and he's like, where were you? 
I said, I got to be honest with you. I deal with really bad anxiety and I had a panic attack. And he said, what, what, what? I don't understand this language. And at the time it was like, okay, it's a language barrier. He's like, I know that your energy is high. I know that you have trouble keeping hold of your energy. I see this in you. I understand this. I know what you're saying. You have too much energy to know how to harness it. But what is this talk of anxiety? And it's interesting that I bring this up because I've never brought it up in an interview, this little story, but it's coming to me more and more lately because I went through so much trouble to get back into my life, to really reclaim my life and build something entirely new. So I went to massage school. I stopped teaching all of those classes and just started focusing on muscles, emotions, memory, healing. But I think about his more than ever because I live in a place now where where the the conversation of anxiety and panic and, and emotional or mental illness isn't as prevalent here. Now, part of it is because we live by the sea and people are just generally slower moving and happier, but the conversations aren't constantly centered around how somebody feels all the time. And people can't, not can't, but they don't necessarily dive down the way that I dove down. And I got really lost in my healing. And I often wonder now if I weren't as associated with so many terms, with so many things that could define how bad I felt, would there have been less of a depth that I felt? And I don't know the answer to that. It just is like a new, it's a new thought. But anyway, I've come through and reclaimed my life. And that was many years ago. And I'm grateful for all of that. But the work that I do in Healing Ourselves Whole is that work you do alone. Because everybody talks about, you got to do the work. You have to do the work. Well, I don't feel like a lot of people teach you how. And I'm not saying that that my book teaches you how on a grand scale. My book teaches you how with regard to your body and your muscle system and the soft tissue memories. My book does not take you through psychotherapy or anything analyzing. None of the cognitive therapy because that's not what I do. So if you open my very first paragraph, very first sentence of my book, it tells you all the things I'm not because I'm not pretending to be anything other than who I am. So I say things like, what makes me be able to write this book? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a cognitive therapist. I'm not any of those things. I'm a body work. But when my hands touch the body, I communicate with the muscles and I do it in a way that I don't feel like a lot of people have that that particular gift that I have, but it's something really sacred. And I feel like as soon as my hands touch somebody, I can feel the signaling from any part of their body going, me, 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 I'm here. I've been dying to tell you this. We have to have this conversation. And then we go into it. So I've helped a lot of people in the years along with helping myself. So this book is the work that you do alone. And Dawson, I put your research in this book. I don't know if you saw that because we sent you a copy, but your research is in this book and your name is in this book and the link to the research on PubMed that you did is in this book. And one of the things that you talk about that I took your class, I took your intro class to tapping and you talked about trauma capsule. So trauma capsule under, this is the way I interpreted it, was that when something is so overwhelming that you shove it into this little capsule. Now here's the part I took. You drop it into the body and you walk away to try to handle it. My work picks up the trauma capsule that has since grown into a carrot and planted itself into the soft tissue. So my work is to pick up that trauma capsule and open it up because now it's sitting in the body. Together, we have done some amazing things, even though we haven't side-by-side worked together. And that's something that I love so much about you and your work and our conversation, because that inspired me to be able to say, hey, here's a trauma capsule, which I had never heard before. And it just blends some, some levity and gravity to my work 
from your work. So I talked too much, but I had to tell you all that. <laughs> you and me both, Emily. And yeah, the point <laughs> of, the, of the trauma capsule came from a, a doctor called, a pain physician called Dr. Bob Scare. And what he's, he called it the dissociative capsule. And he said that when you're little kid two three five years old you have no way of coping with all of the chaos around you and the the bad things happening to and around you what you do is you simply wrap it up in a little protective layer and then bury it in the muscles bury it in the subconscious bury it in your field and then it sits there and it has all of this toxic material in it that you've encapsulated you've encapsulated all this so you can function but then when you're 25 years old and you get married or when you have a miscarriage or when your grandmother dies or when you have a lose your job well there's the pandemic or one thing or another that trauma capsule cracks and if we have good skills we can deal with those trauma capsules and heal them as adults if we don't we we traumatize ourselves so it's a really powerful concept and it was first really discovered by body workers they were they would put their hands into people's muscles and they those clients would remember things as those trauma capsules in the muscles were disturbed so it's a powerful concept i'm so glad you picked up on it in this book and helped remind us that trauma is not a psychological phenomenon it's a body phenomenon i would love to see the research from those body workers because i've been chasing those people for years now trying to get into the research lab because i do want to be part of when this finally comes into play and gets diet you know articles on pubmed like you've done I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that research. And even my director for exercise physiology. So I went to the same university for under undergrad and, and graduate school. And when he, when it was undergrad, my director of exercise phys was my favorite teacher in the world. And I wrote him a letter right after graduation to say, now I have nothing to gain or lose. We're the greatest instructor of my life. You changed my life. You were the greatest professor by far and away. And you changed everything about me. And, thank, and so here it is. He wrote the forward to my first book, to my stretch therapy book. And then 20 years later, he's the Dean of the College of Education and puts me in for a master's in human performance. And then he retired by the end. I didn't, he was retired before I graduated. But when I, when I reached out to him and said, listen, I want to do some research. I want to get in the lab. I know that muscles store emotions, but we have got to start proving this in a bigger way. And body workers are never allowed. They're not in the labs and it's time for them to be in the lab. So I've got the degrees and I've got the body work on it and let's do this. He came out of retirement and we wrote up a huge thing. And guess what? We didn't get the grant. And I've just been sitting with it ever since. And I'm so bummed about that because it was such a huge opportunity. He got us the university. He got us the director of the kinesiology department. He came out of retirement himself to be my partner. We had the whole thing, you know, all of it down to a, to a T and it didn't get picked up, but I believe in timing. And now it's really hard because I live in Malta. <laughs> so I don't have those opportunities the way that I did, but I might, I might actually have it at the university of Malta. I have no idea what's really going to come and how things are going to come into play, but, but the muscles store your emotions. And here's where I've really gotten to. This is my newest, latest. It's in the book. But the more that I do this interviews, the more that I realize that I feel like this is the most important component coming out of it. I believe that muscles store trauma the same way they store joy. I believe that you can trigger both. I believe you can trigger the muscle memory into trauma, but I also believe you can trigger the muscle memory into releasing joy and to have all those hormones released and to double up your healing and plant more of that. And that's the second half of the book. But here's where I've really gotten to. I believe it is the bravest, boldest move you can do is to be able to sit in joy and not get up and to let it come up. So originally in the book, I said, can you get naked and raw and vulnerable and let the discomforts arise? And now I say, can you get raw and naked and vulnerable and let the joy 
rise up without running and without coupling it with trauma thoughts of, oh my gosh, I just had such a great time. Cat's catastrophe is sitting right around the corner. It's coming. I just earned the point. I'm going down. How brave it is to actually sit still when joy comes up, I think is even more powerful. And not enough of us are are putting our focus into that aspect of healing. Absolutely. Letting joy just marinate in us and us marinate in joy is so powerful because then you're activating those neural pathways and strengthening them. As you send signals through those neural pathways, they get bigger, they get faster. And most people don't do that. Only last night, I went for a walk after dinner and the sunset was so exquisite. It was turquoise and there were these heart, there were these diagonal orange clouds across the sky. And I just breathed it in. And if you fire that circuit of love and appreciation and joy and observation for about 20 seconds, it starts to grow. It doesn't take that long. But if you just look at the sunset and say, nice sunset and, walk, and turn away, then you don't fire those circuits and they don't start to grow. And then of course, if you turn your attention to the bad stuff, you then grow those circuits. And that's how many people are remodeling their brains be more and more attuned to trauma and the bad stuff. So it takes liberation and takes mindfulness and focus to do that. But if you do it, the payoff isn't just a happier state. The payoff is a more joyful mind. So I love that idea of just sitting and just being with your joy, just inhabiting your joy fully, just sinking down deeply into it. What a fabulous idea. And it's it's the second half of my book, honestly. And I wrote it in earnest. But now the more that I dive into it, the more that I realize I must have been in great channeling meditations to do the second half of this book, because I created something called the somatic emotion chart. And the somatic emotion chart is your four heavy emotions, trauma, shame, guilt, grief. Then you have an action bridge, which is suppress, which keeps you on the heavy four, process, and then release. And release takes you to the fabulous four, which is happy, joy, connected, and empowered. And in those fabulous four, you can, so we take those carrots. So in the deeper, heavy, we take the carrots and we go in through the soft tissue of our body in each meditation, each chapter. And they're free on my website, they're audio. You can go and just go through the meditation and we pull the carrot by the greenery. So as something signals, I'm the one that's trauma right now, you pull it up and you equally, immediately put in something equally as weighty right back into that space. So I, I say the liquid, uh, heated liquid crystallized, and then you pour it in and it immediately crystallizes and starts emanating healing. But it has to be equally as weighty because we feel naked if we take away any of those dark feelings because they've become synonymous with who we are. So you have to quickly, quickly fill that space. But then on the second half for the fabulous four, the same carrots that were, so you have not the same, but you have the same carrot structure. And then you notice that the greenery has been growing little flower buds. Now, guess what I found out through my research? Those flower buds actually are Queen Anne's lace on the side of the road on the highway. (laughs) If you pull a Queen Anne's lace, it's a wild carrot at the root. It's real. It's a real deal. So there are wild carrots on the side of the road. You pull it out. I actually stopped by the highway and did this. Pull it out. And there's a tiny little baby carrot at the bottom of the Queen Anne's lace flower. So in these meditations, pinch off a bud of Queen Anne's lace and plant it more of it in your body so that you double, triple, quadruple your joy, you're happy, you're connected and build it inside yourself. And so these two processes are going on, both releasing trauma and then filling that space with joy. Because if we just took away the trauma, we have have a big void where that part of self was. We need to then consciously fill it as, as well. Wow, that's a powerful insight. And we'll be back for more after a short break. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. For more on Emily's work, go to the website for her new book, Healing Ourselves 
whole.com. We'll be back in just a moment. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and each week on the show, we explore the leading edge of health, happiness, and well-being. I encourage you always to apply these insights and techniques in your life. So hearing them, being inspired is one thing. That's the start of the journey. The journey itself is making time in your life to do them. So keep notes, get these insights, and then make a plan to actually apply them in your life. It makes all the difference when you do that. For more on Emily's work, go to website for her new book, healingourselveswhole.com. Healingourselveswhole.com. You know, Emily, one of the drawbacks of the way we understand PTSD and trauma in our society is that it appears in the diagnostic manual of the American Psychiatric Association. It doesn't appear in your doctor's handbook. It appears in your psychologist or psychiatrist's handbook. And so it's thought to be a psychological condition. And that is a real misunderstanding of trauma because from the very earliest times it was studied, like for example, after World War I, when the army commissioned a report by a psychiatrist called Joseph Cardner to figure out what this thing called shell shock was. They had tens of thousands of young men coming back from France, and they had all these symptoms. And they asked Cardner to study these men and come up with a treatment plan. And he called it, the term PTSD wasn't around back then, but he called it a physical neurosis. He understood after interviewing and treating thousands of these soldiers that this was a physical condition. So we tend to think about PTSD as psychological. And what your book is showing and what new work is showing is that it's not psychological. It's not just something imaginary in the mind. It's very, very real in in the body. How did you come to have that, that insight and start to work in that way? I've been putting my hands on people's bodies for almost 20 years. And when my hands touch their body, I do something you know, I've gone through neuromuscular therapy and, and lately I've gone through craniosacral therapy in the last few years. I was a Reiki master before I went to massage school, but I also do something called lymphatic drainage and combined decongestive therapy. So I work on people post-cancer. So I work on a very specific group of people. I work on people who are either in remission or terminal. I will not treat while they're going through treatment while they're going through cancer treatment, but that's my own personal, I believe not to, but I've worked on a lot of people in a lot of different group settings. And one of the things that is my natural gift is emotional release. I facilitate emotional release. No one taught me how. I never took an emotional release class. Although late later in life, going through craniosacral therapy, they have something called somatic emotion release, but I've never taken the course. And the reason I never took the course, I, I kept trying to, but then I realized that my work sounds a lot like Dr. Upledger's work. And if I would have taken that course, it would have sounded like I took that work and I, that it was his and I needed it to stay mine. And so I didn't go into that place because the emotional release that I do is incredibly valuable, sacred, special work. And it, it helps people to release from the bottoms of their feet up through their entire body into this massive earth shattering for their body release where they break out in a sweat. They might start coughing. I might help encourage that. Then they start crying. Then they start convulsing. It's sometimes I have to pull up a trash can in case they feel like they're going to vomit, even though nobody to this day, knock on wood, has actually vomited, but they feel like it because things are leaving their body. And what I say is, 
tears are a physical manifestation of pain leaving the body. You cannot put it back. So when my hands get on that body and things like that occur, it's it's only my work. And it's something that's a lot of people do it, but I don't know them. <laughs> and so it, it isn't something that I've really been able to compare with other people and go, what happens when you do this? But I know that there's always beautiful body work that can help people release emotionally, but, but something happens. And there's a, a weird, a beautiful, when I say weird, a very distinct and beautiful communication with my hands and muscles. And maybe it's because I have loved muscles for as long as I could ever speak. I have been obsessed with muscles. I love muscles. When I was young, my dad used to make me tell everybody that when I grow up, I want to be a bodybuilder. Like exercise and muscles were always so huge to me. And when I started doing body work and putting my hands on muscles, the texture of them, the the tissue, they change beneath your hands. They really do. And the muscles release so much. There's so much to muscle memory that's beyond just a movement and a coordination. And I I just feel like we've missed that. And I, I wish that I could... I still want to get in the lab, but only to prove it to people that don't believe it. But if I get my hands on you, I promise you'll believe it because what I'm talking about is true. I know that it's true. And I hate that I try really hard to get the science evidence when I already know. I have been testing this and theorizing for 20 years doing this. Does this work? Does this, is this where we hold this particular emotion? There was even a time when I wrote The Body Heals Itself, which is how I first met you, which talks about the muscles and why different muscle groups store different emotions. And I remember sitting with an acupuncturist who was also a massage therapist. And I said, like the glutes, your bottom, you're suppressing the emotions. You literally sit on how you feel. It's aggravation and suppression. And he said, of course it is. That's the liver gallbladder line. That's aggravation. That's what it is. And I looked at him and I said, okay, but the difference is that I didn't know that. The difference is that the body taught me specifically. I don't know the liver gallbladder lines. I don't know that it's running through the glutes. You know that. You learned it from a textbook. I know this. I learned it from my hands and from spirit. So give us an example. Tell us the story of somebody who you did this with. There's a really pronounced link between the muscles and trauma. There was a woman at a, I only worked at a spa once in my life for a few months. It was a huge resort where all the celebrities go. It was a big deal. I was really excited to do the work. And then I realized that I'm not actually geared for spa work. But there was a woman, she was older. It was Christmas Eve. And she came in and she said, listen, I have these pains behind my right shoulder blade. I've had them for like 30 years. I've gone to everybody. I've gone to acupuncture, chiropractic, you name it. I've done it. Do your best kid. You know, and it was like, okay, I'm in. And I tore at her muscles like a beast. I'm breaking a sweat. I'm pulling every tool I've got in my box. I'm pulling, I'm traction. I've got my hands under her coracoid process and I'm pulling back and I'm monster movements. And then I finally said, this just isn't physical. I've done everything physical for your muscles and it isn't in there. Nothing happened, nothing released. And I said, would it be okay if I practice Reiki? Would it be okay if I do some energy work here? And she said, okay, I've always heard of it. I've never had it. Well, I've never done this to anyone before. I put my hand behind her back like a chicken wing and put her in an uncomfortable position, which I don't do generally for emotion. But for some reason, I knew you had to. And I had my knee against and my the whole thing. Put my hands down and I said, don't think about it. What's the first thing that just came in your mind? No thought. She said, oh my gosh, when I was in high school, my boyfriend and my best friend cheated on me. And she goes, wait a minute, I don't care about that. I've been married for 50 years. I don't care. And honestly, it was an audible and it left her body. 
Wow. She just left. It just totally left. And she went to breakfast the next day and she's like, everyone, I experienced a miracle. Everyone has to go to her. And people are scrambling. You get these massage appointments three months ahead. And all of a sudden there's this line. I want to go to this lady. I want to have that. It's like, you can't plan for these things. You cannot schedule an emotional release. But honestly, we both heard it. And it wasn't a, a real bone pop. It wasn't any sort of adjustment. But it was like an energy bubble left her body and let go. Wow, that's powerful. And you start to have that insight and then you start to look for them after that. You know that they're there and that so much of what we think of as physical, we're just projecting it into the body. It's not really about the body at all. It's about emotions, trauma, and our parts. We're going to go to a break right now. Please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My guest is Emily Francis. You can see more about her newest book at her website, healingourselveswhole.com. We'll be right back after a break. Hi, welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church. I'm so grateful that you are here with me because we're uplifting ourselves, we're thinking positive thoughts, we're having positive feelings, we're doing good things for our minds and our bodies. So it's an act of self-love to surround yourself with positive media and good, great, healthy practices. I have about 30 of those practices in my book, Mind to Matter. You get a free copy at mindtomatter.com. And also my newest book, This Brain, is doing amazing things for people. We're interviewing them. We're also recording their brainwaves and showing that they really can reach levels of bliss that they didn't even know they were able to reach before. That's at blissbrain.com. So please do check out those two sites, mindtomatter.com and blissbrain.com. And then for more on Emily's newest book, Healing Ourselves Whole, go to healingourselveswhole.com. Emily, you use the term shock And most people have experienced a shock and have an intuitive sense of what that means. They don't think of it as trauma, though. And you do make that link in the book. I do make that link. So here's the way that I feel like the body holds things. And I use this somewhat benign uh, example. A person gets in a car accident. They immediately eject themselves from their body because they can't really handle what just happened. Some people call it disassociation. Some people call it shock. But my job is to work with your body. Guess what? Your body cannot eject, does not have an eject button. So exactly what happened in that exact moment goes right into the soft tissues and stays exactly as fact until you can get in and work with it. So when you go into trauma work with only the cognitive therapy, there's a part missing because they don't really remember. So you have to access that body. So this is my example. My sister was in a car accident and she had whiplash immediately. So I knew that I had to get over there right away to work on the longest coli, the front of the neck to to bring her voice back. I put her on the table and it's literally, it's maybe two hours since the car accident. My hands are on her and I can actually feel the messaging system of her body absorbing what has happened. And I can feel by the muscles exactly where she locked up. But as I'm asking her questions, which way were you looking? Where were you hit? What was going on? She had all hazy, nothing, no information. Why? Because the mind ejected. But I can follow the muscle patterns and go, okay, you were looking to the left. The, this, this muscle cracked up. This muscle's this. This muscle's this. This is where you were. So I have the whole picture. She doesn't. So I'm talking to the body myself without her involvement saying, okay, listen, I know that you're going to absorb this information, but I'm going to try to soften the blow. I'm going to try to put a cushion in there so that you still have these memories, but they're not as deeply entrenched. 
because I'm getting in there as the, as the communicating factors are going on. But what happens when somebody goes through something really traumatic, they leave their body. So you hear about abuse victims, sexual assault, physical assault, where they are leaving their body and they're counting tiles on the ceiling or they're looking at cracks. They're anywhere but in their body. But your body can't leave. So the work that I do is only with the body. I'm, I'm not interested in what the mind says in your mind story. That's why a lot of times I don't ask you to tell me. And I don't ask you to talk about it. You can if you want to. And that's what I say when I'm working on you. You're in a safe space. You may say anything you want. But I'm not going to be asking a lot of questions that are outside of your muscle. It's not my scope practice. So you're welcome to speak and you will have no judgment. But all I'm doing is focusing on where your body is storing things. And I might ask you what, what you're feeling in this space. And then if it opens up more, then I'm going to ask you more. But never, ever do I ask you to tell me what happened. Never. Never do I ask you straight on things, ever, because that's not my part. I don't leave my wheelhouse and I don't, I don't violate my ethical code of what I'm doing. My but and mine is just the body, not just the body. I actually think it's the most important part. <laughs> and, and I don't, yeah. So if you start getting into that cognitive, then I say, look, I've got great therapists. I think you should definitely look at EMDR therapy or hypnotherapy or tapping techniques, emotional freedom techniques. I think these things will be great. I'm a wonderful matchmaker for healing. And did your, did your sister remember then after you did the work that any um, of those hazy memories bit. come back into focus? She did. Well, she did. But what I tried to do was not say, hey, your left SEM is cramped up. So that tells me you were looking to the left. I didn't do that because th- that part, she doesn't understand it anyway. So it's just me to put the puzzle together of how to help the body release faster. Because I already had to do where I, I dislodged the trachea and moved the trachea over so I can do the frontal spine through the throat to get that voice back. That's already traumatic enough, you know. So if you're working on somebody who's been abused, then, you know, we don't do that on the first try. And also, if I ever do that work, I actually I explain the whole process. I put their hand over my wrist and tell them that they're a, they are the breaker. If at any time they are uncomfortable, pull me out. The work itself doesn't take more than 10 seconds but I have to be able to find it exactly correctly so I can get in, get out two, three seconds. But the finding part, I'm touching that highway book. I'm in that route. I'm in that front part. So, you know, we have to set up and be really safe, but my job is to create a safe space. And then maybe they'll tell me certain things, but honestly, that's the part to play for you. That's where they go see you later. I just help them remember. I help them start to work with that body. When they leave me, they're exhausted. They've been crying. They feel like they have been pummeled. And I always tell them, don't talk to anybody. Don't go anywhere. Go home, take a nice sea salt bath, Epsom salt bath, go to bed. And then in the morning, you're going to wake up like a new person. So just ride this wave today. Don't go running around talking about it. Yeah, and that time to integrate is so important. And we find that in all kinds of healing that initially the healing happens, and then it may take a few hours to integrate. Yes. It may take a few days to integrate, and then exactly. it falls into place later on. So when the psyche and the body have been disrupted, it can take a while for them to really pull in and get firm in this new dispensation, this new configuration they find themselves in. So I'm glad you give them that, that advice. And then do you find these spots intuitively to move I to? Do. I do. It's like my hands, it's almost like my hands become a metal detector. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I like, yeah. I, I wish that I could really explain it, but it just happens. It's like my hand, because you know what? I never do this in conversation with people. I don't put people on the spot. I don't ask a lot of questions. I almost appear aloof sometimes because I'll offer things about myself and never ask any straight on questions of people. But if you're on my table and you give me permission, our conversation is totally different. And if my hands touch you, I'm going in. I'm going in. And so that is, it is like a metal detector. It's like, 
oh, oh, okay, I feel this. You know, and then it's a different conversation that I would never have in any other space. I wish we had the ability to actually map and read energy fields because I have a sense that probably you're in attuning and in training your, your energy field with the client as well. And information is being exchanged that way too. We don't have the instrumentation to do that now. 10, 20, 30 years, probably we will. But my guess is that on the invisible level, the non-physical level, there are all kinds of interactions going on there too. Emily, it is always such a pleasure to connect with you, tune in to you. I'm so grateful for you and your work, your insights. And thank you so much again for being here and for sharing. Thank you, Dawson. Well, I can't wait to see where your memoir takes you and where your life takes you next. I'm excited by that. And I look forward to the next phase of your journey. You've been listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. Please come back again next week. We'll have more practical information you can use for your own health, your own well-being, your own happiness. Till then, stay healthy, stay happy, and keep loving yourself. Thank you so much.